Jason. Can you hear me, Neil? Yep, it's perfect. You can hear me, sounds like. Yep, great. We just tried the problem. Uh, it was good. Just let me turn my light up a little bit. Travels were good. Well, I mean, as much as they can be in Canada. <laughs> Definitely. You, you covered a lot of ground in the last, like, six days, from what I can tell. Yeah, I've been traveling for about uh, two <laughs> but the years. The borders were fine, the flights were fine, all of that. Well, that you see the agendas in play all the time. The uh, they try to discourage travel. There's a lot okay. of inefficiencies in the airport, purposely in there to discourage anybody from traveling. They lose luggage purposely. They right. they delay flights purposely. They try to add extra burden oh, to the so? airlines. Okay. So everything's on purpose to try and discourage the air travel and the, you know, the, they're trying to give the impression to the public is somehow they've lost the ability to run airports efficiently and get airplanes flying on time, which they haven't. They just it's all part of that sort of one push to get people right back it, back them up, right. back them up, right. To, to the point where they're in a, in a jail cell, where we'll pay for the jail cell it'll, it'll be our own home we won't be allowed to leave the door of our home and this is how they do it they back it up it's, it's an old game it's called fabianism it's a game of inches inch by inch they they change the society right. in a way where they get what they want i'm so glad to to know you <laughs> your your uh, strength and expertise is what the world needs to hear and it even I, I i thought i've been on to it for like five years but uh but you're bringing new depth to it i i mean i was starting to have issues with tsa and security and even uh the airport in amsterdam was a nightmare a couple of times and it just seemed it seemed to me this is before any of this corona happened uh, it just seemed to me deliberately queuing and deliberately making travel hellish mm -hmm. for people. That's that was my experience. And, yeah, uh, I mean, absolutely, Neil. I mean, because it used to be travel used to be such a a pleasurable experience, relaxing and enjoyable, and family time. And it was, and it just it's just been increasingly. And now, I mean, in the last year, my border crossings they can be a nightmare for no reason they just they're just driven this way to hassle people that are traveling for whatever in canada, reason yeah in canada it's worse because they hire their flight attendants based on labels not on ability so not only do you have the agenda rolling in the background you have these actors inside the fuselage that are hired because they're uh, a certain sexual orientation or a certain ethnic um, background and not on if they can actually do the job. So you have the whole society is collapsing because no one can do the job because everybody wants to be nice and, and signal their virtue by putting people in positions of power that have no reason to be there. They have no right to be there. And we see right. so much of this going on in Canada. I remember flying from Europe to Canada 
and you know as flying air austria austria is sort of a mecca of old world technology i don't know if you've ever been to vienna but uh i haven't i've been to zurich but not i've been to switzerland but not not austria yeah try austria and see how insanely different that area is from the rest of the world but when i was flying air austria everybody you know we're, we're talking genetically superior humans genetically intelligent humans and they're in the service industry they're there to service you and then you know you i change flights and uh, charles de gaulle in paris and i get on an air canada flight and of course there's a lady that's literally so obese she should not even be allowed to be a flight attendant because she can't fit between the seats and that's no not like this wow. is just real world observation but they hired her because they wanted some i don't know where they think their corporation is going to go by hiring people that don't know how to execute the position but she was nasty of course because obese people are obese because they're toxic they've got damage yeah they're they've got un undealt with trauma well there, there's emotional issues too but there's yes. also toxicity you can't be happy and obese because the the obese reaction is based on you being poisoned and it's sort of an alarm five alarm fire reaction in the body so neurologically she can't be nice she can't be of service she can't be a pleasant person it's it's impossible the way obesity occurs metabolic metabolically it's all based on toxicity and then there's brain changes regardless th this is how it's worse in canada if you've ever seen any social decay based on the attack of 2020 it is only accelerated and upregulated in canada where people have been bred to be too nice to stand up for themselves so canadians are are in their own mind control bubble where they're so weakened because of social pressure they can't even they can't even refuse a uh, a murder attempt by their own government they have to comply and curtsy and bow and politely um, slide gently into the good night <laughs> that's how that's how it's dysfunctional great, the canadians great. are this is another this is another angle that that I'm I'm happy to know you and you're the first one I've known to speak out about I'm a, I'm coffee's probably my last vice I have but but when you go to Canada and you see the lineups at the Tim Hortons drive-through and then you see the people watching CBC and doing everything they're told like you, it just like they're putting something in the coffee that's making everybody do what they're told <laughs> that it just seems like those dots connect really obviously yeah, there's th this sort of mind control agenda and it's like a watch. There's 150 pieces in a watch and they all work together to accomplish one goal, which is telling the time. And there are many facets of mind controlling this many people where you have a group of a thousand people able to control eight billion people. And one of the facets, one of the cogs in the mind control wheel is caffeine and this is why there's the rock star drinks for the teenagers halloween is around the corner so that they can get the children uh, ingesting caffeine chocolate is the gateway drug to coffee a good chat discussion as well for for q a and things there we go there we go <laughs> good day doctor yes hello thanks for joining us you're welcome we got that. 
past the glitches. Uh, we'll jump right in introductions. Um, I just want to say we all have shared motives. Um, the, Dr. Jones is very, very focused on sharing his research and truth and through the process, raising awareness. And, and Jason is on a completely different red pill, if you can call it that, but domain of expertise, and he's doing the same kind of work. So I just want to bring us together today and work together, essentially. Okay. Well, I'll get Jason. I think I think if we do the introductions with a certain format, the conversation will naturally lead us. But I've got a few teams, if it's not obvious to us where we want to head. Um, so, Jason, if you don't mind telling us how you got into this field, how you developed this expertise, um, what what you consider your professional imperatives over the next two or three years, what you'd like to see accomplished, and any of the number one barriers, one, two, or three barriers you're running into that are preventing you from achieving that? Well, I'm not running into too many barriers other than the censorship. Uh, I just got back from a talk in Brussels, Belgium at the European Parliament, where myself and other members of the International COVID Summit were invited there by key, key parliamentary members to educate them on what really went down in uh, 2020 to 2023. So my part was to give a synopsis, a brief synopsis of the media mind control and brainwashing and behavior modification that got the herd running in one direction or the other. Now I used to own a chain of a small chain of fitness clubs and how I came across this information on mind control is I would, tr I would, all my customers would be terrified to be in better shape or to be better off or to quit their addictions. And I had phoned the place where I got the institution, where I got my certification. And I said, I don't know if anybody else is running into this problem, but I'm getting paid thousands of dollars and my, my clients are terrified to lose the weight, terrified to give up their wine, terrified to stop watching TV and terrified to become better people. And they said, well, you didn't go farther too, far, far enough in the institution. We would have taught you about this uh, subconscious mind. Your clients are under a various, it's under a form of mind control based on herd pressure. And I said, well, I'd like to do better for them. I'd like to do better for me. Where, I can, where can I start without coming back to the institution? And they gave me some books and some documentaries. And I basically used the same mind control modalities on my clients so that they would fire me. They would show up and get in shape without me. They would show, they would quit their addictions and not go back. So I did a very good job of putting myself out of business, but then I started sort of doing this online, getting people back on track. And it got so busy that I had to start a psychological reprogramming institution where I take medical doctors and chiropractors, health coaches and members of the general public and teach them how to apply these, these modalities of almost re, you know, reverse engineering the mind control that the government and the media install into us so we're afraid to be our best selves. So uh, the only thing inhibiting me right now it is the same thing that's inhibiting everybody is this planned censorship 
because censorship is mind control because mind control is based on the most repetitive content of your environment because we have a, a defense mechanism that will mimic the most repetitive content. So the only content the ruling group wants out there is their negative content. They don't want any, anybody reprogramming the population whatsoever in a positive direction. So I hope that gives everybody um, a brief outline of what I do for for living right now. That's fantastic. Do you, do you have any any training in psychology or philosophy, or are you just just uh, street smart basically? Well, I graduated from McGill University in Canada, which is the top university, but not in psychology. It was in labor relations and contract negotiations. All this is basically self-taught. And uh, I highly endorse that self-taught pathway because there's a lot of people out there with uh, letters behind their names that have their own forms of mind control that are stuck and they're stalling the evolution of our society. Was Dr. David Martin at the European uh, Council that you mentioned? Yeah, he was. He started off. He was the lead hitter and uh, he, he laid waste to anybody that had any inclination that this wasn't a planned attack. He's one of the few. I mean, he's taken Dr. Jones' advice. He's using the right grammar now in the right forums. He's he. He's calling it like it is. And Reiner Fulmick, which is how I discovered you, once he has the right mechanism, he can run with this. It just, when you've got David Martin with the facts from patent law and the history, saying the right things, calling it genocide, it's really, really powerful. I feel like a major, major shift is happening. Uh, ha being reinvited, his first presentation to the EU parliament was downloaded, set records like over a billion times of downloads of his video. So, I mean, it's just a sign to me that the, the awakening is happening on a mass scale. So yeah. I, I don't know if you like this word. I, I'm going to hand it over to Dr. Jones for his introduction. But a word that works for me is a mind control fence. There are certain words and terms. You can be having a conversation, meet a casual person at a bar or whatever, and making just you're both civil and reasonable talking. And there'd be a word. They, there, you lost them. You might have said Catholic, or you might have said Trump, or you might have said MAGA, or whatever. There you go, lost them. You can't, that that word just sent them into a ditch, and the conversation is is lost now. You, you're not able to, they're not able to follow your thread anymore, because <laughs> they associate that word with a bucket, and they want to put you in that bucket, and conversation over. Anyway, I think, I think when you talk, Dr. Jones has a hundred of these mind control fences, that his work has led him towards. And it's, I try and explain his expertise. It's very difficult to get people. Anyway, we'll let, we'll let him speak. So if you don't mind, Dr. Jones, just a little bit of background on how you got in your story and how you got into this, what you, what you would like to see as the result of your good work and what you think some of the top barriers you're coming up against at, at the current time. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Uh, I, start, I started off uh, in professional life as a, a professor of American literature. Uh, I, I had been uh, in Germany for a few years. I taught uh, English at a gymnasium there. Came back and got my PhD in American literature at uh, Temple University in 1979 and got a job teaching uh, American literature at St. Mary's College in, outside of South Bend, Indiana. 
Uh, what I stumbled into was uh, a story that no one told me about. So I had been pretty much away from the Catholic Church for about 10 years, one way or the other, uh, out of the country or away from the church for about 10 years. And I got to the situation where uh, uh, there was a uh, conflict that I tried to resolve. The conflict was between Catholicism and feminism at this college. And the crucial issue was abortion. So I thought I'd explore that. And uh, my exploration of that leaded me to get, uh, got, got me fired after one year. I got fired from a Catholic college because I was against abortion, which struck me as odd at the time. And I kept trying to explain that to the people at Temple University who were, didn't understand what was going on. But basically the feminists had taken over Catholic education at this place. And St. Mary's was a satellite of Notre Dame University. And at that point I started looking into there, what happened there. And uh, I stumbled across what uh, I now know is social engineering. Uh, the, the Notre Dame's role in this was basically to uh, provide cover for the overturning of the Catholic teaching on birth control, which was the big issue for uh, people like the Rockefellers in the 1960s. Birth control was a big issue. That was the era when um, Paul Ehrlich wrote his book uh, called The Population Bomb. Everybody was going to starve to death by 1975. And I realized that um, at that point, after doing some research, uh, getting appointed the biography of Cardinal Kroll of Philadelphia, looking into the archives, uh, that uh, Notre Dame had organized a series of secret conferences with Rockefeller money to overthrow the church's teaching. And this led me to a number of uh, different books, different conclusions. One of, them, uh, one of the ways I explored social engineering was talking about uh, sexual liberation, uh, which stemmed from that research into the Rockefeller promotion of population control and contraception. And I wrote a book called... Uh, libido dominandi, sexual liberation and political control. As far as I know, I'm the first man who said that sexual liberation was a form of political control. Uh, I did this based on uh, Catholic thinkers like St. Augustine, who said that uh, a man has as many masters as he had vices. And so what this book was, was basically a history of modern psychology. But modern psychology was basically so technology, a technology of control, no matter who you looked at it. So John B. Watson was a technology of control. I dealt with him in the book. I dealt with um, Sigmund Freud and Jung and those people, which was also a form of control. Uh, and I also dealt with the third way, which is Carl Rogers, uh, which was the basically the orchestration of peer pressure through sensitivity groups as a way of forcing people to conform to a, a, a social norm. Uh, the, the Quakers had something called friendly persuasion. They were involved in this type of thing. And uh, that, that's what uh, led me to then explore other realms of social control, uh, the whole idea of urban planning after World War II. And what I realized was basically that during this period of time, there was an attack on the Catholic Church uh, beginning after World War II because the Catholic Church was considered a threat to the liberal agenda, largely because of its stand on sexuality. Uh, and so I kind of discovered why, um, why that happened. 
why I got fired. It was because uh, there was a powerful player behind the scenes who was orchestrating basically the whole course of Notre Dame University and Catholic education at that point. And so that led me to explore other areas of social engineering. And the main focus of social engineering, where it really took off, was in Germany after World War II. There's absolutely no question that this was a conquered country. You had people in charge here ever since John B. Watson wrote about uh, behaviorism, which is World War I. Everyone knew that war was the best form of uh, imposing social engineering on a country. And that's what uh, led me to explore Germany. Now, I had been in Germany. I told you I was teaching there from 1973 to 1976. While I was there in this little town, suddenly the local theater, little theater, movie theater in town is flooded with pornography. Uh, and it was uh, softcore pornography to compared to what we see on our, the Internet today. But it was, uh, I started to realize, uh, you know, uh, films, uh, there were sex farces by Mjodel Njukti Lederhose, which ridiculed Bavaria, uh, Las Jokenkumpel, which was an attempt to subvert the morals of the workers in the Ruhrgebiet, and Schulmädchen Report, which was a, basically an attempt to subvert the morals of the girls of the age I was teaching. This was going on there and allowed me to go back and realize that this began uh, right after World War II. Right after World War II, there was uh, the, the Jews rushed back to Germany to punish the Germans for what they did. Uh, they took over uh, the whole censorship area in order to get a license for any magazine, any film, any book. Uh, you had to sit down with a Jewish psychiatrist from New York by the name of David Mordecai Levy and tell him how guilty you felt about the Holocaust. And that brought me to what I think is one of the fundamental narratives of social control in our day, which is the Holocaust narrative. And as we speak, I just got copies of my book. That's my latest book. It's called The Holocaust Narrative. That is uh, basically the justification for uh, censorship on the internet. That's the ultimate justification. The main vehicle for censorship on the internet is the ADL. Uh, they are the people, they admit this, they are the people who created the term hate speech, which uh, once they use that term, anything you say is designated hate speech and you will be automatically expelled from the, the, uh, the Internet. Now that happened uh, over, I think it was 2020. It coincided with the COVID censorship. In many ways, it was covered. Uh, it was uh, allowed people to divert their attention. But the ADL uh, was responsible for hate speech, and I was deplatformed from just uh, from Twitter at that point. And then now to bring it up to just a week ago, uh, Elon Musk bought Twitter. Uh, he now is saying last week the number one trending uh, thread on Twitter, or which is now called X, is hashtag ban the ADL. So now this story that was uh, they were hiding behind, it's now in the open now. There's a confrontation between Elon Musk and the ADL that is going to determine whether we have free speech on the Internet or whether private actors, powerful private behind the scenes actors like the ADL can simply uh, enforce complete censorship according to their uh, criteria by using the word hate speech. So if uh, what this this uh, has the, the book that I wrote 
uh, is a little bit different than most books about the Holocaust in that it focuses on the Catholic Church. And one of the crises that it has created is that basically the Catholic Church has basically uh, overthrown one of its fundamental document, do, uh, doctrines, which is that the church is the new Israel, uh, because of pressure from groups like the ADL. And until uh, we as Catholics can reassert our independence, uh, the entire worldwide effort to deal with this, especially in places like Germany, is going to go nowhere, nowhere. The, th the, the issue right now is contesting the ADL's hegemony over the Internet through the main vehicle of repression, which is the Holocaust narrative. We, um, I, I would say one of the greatest benefits of our Corona era is these contradictions that we, many of us carry around this cognitive dissonance. You can see these colliding now <laughs> with, with these disconnects. Um, and we were talking before you joined us, Dr. Jones, about the fact that meritocracy is, is vanishing and, and we've got all this equity and diversity that to, the, to a point that organizations are going against their own stated business objectives by forwarding a cultural agenda. So I think, I mean, essentially, this is what I would say you ran into in, at Notre Dame. There's a Notre Dame was putting a cultural agenda ahead of their whole reason for being. Right. Um, and I would call it cultural Marxism. I think that's what we're that's what we're living. Um, can you I, I would I like would. I would yep. call it I would call it the Jewish revolutionary spirit. I, I have we have to be able to use this category. If we cannot, this is the whole point of that book was to re rescue this category, the Jews, from uh, the the racial interference that occurred during the Second World War in Germany. We have to be able to rescue this category because their narrative, as soon as you say this word in a way that they don't like, they immediately apply labels on you like Nazi and anti-Semite and white supremacist. This is identity mm -hmm. theft. We have to be able to break free of this. This is exactly the whole point of this must deal. Does Twitter have to commit suicide uh, uh, by following the ADL and destroying its reason for existence, which is basically a free speech platform, because some powerful uh, agent is now saying anyone who says this, anyone who criticizes the ADL is an anti-Semite and should be uh, banned from uh, public discourse. This this is the biggest. I mean, people don't see it coming, I don't think, like the FBI. I, they start, somebody starts telling them who they need to pay attention to, and they start paying attention to a special interest group. Next thing you know, the FBI isn't doing with their stated purpose. Now they're, now they're policing for a special interest group. I mean, just as an example, it sneaks up on people. They don't realize, they think they're, they're trying to be overly pleasing, but they end up forwarding an agenda that's against their stated reason for being, if I could put it that way. Absolutely. You're absolutely right. The FBI got involved with the ADL in 1984. 
under William Webster. This was the Reagan administration. And basically at that point, once you let the ADL into the FBI, they will tell the FBI who the criminals are. And that is precisely the situation we're in right now with Merrick Garland, the head of uh, the Justice Department. Josh Hawley dragged him before uh, the Senate and said, why are you going after pro-lifers? Well, because he's a, this, is, this is a Jewish agenda. Once you put a Jew in charge of the Justice Department, he's going to pr prosecute people he doesn't like, namely people who are against abortion, and the people he does like are simply going to get, get let off the hook. We, you, this, this is the end of uh, law enforcement. Yeah, I, I think guess, be, sorry, Neil. Go, go ahead, Jason, please. Well, I think, I don't know if anybody mentioned so far, the ADL stands for the Anti-Defamation League, in case anybody, because we keep throwing around that three-letter mm -hmm. three mm -hmm. title. It's Anti-Defamation League. And the reason they're censoring is very simple. It's not that every Jewish person is involved, but if they don't put up these censorship fences and the public is allowed to go down the path on their own accord and investigate, you will unfortunately find the same group of Jewish overlords <laughs> running most of the world's problems. They, they benefit from what's called disaster capitalism. They're, it's, it's a very odd economic model. The more disasters there are, the more profit it generates in certain areas. And this is what's going on. So if we are allowed to investigate beyond the censorship, and that's why the ADL is so quick to put up the fence, because if we, we would even go 10 or 20 feet down the path, it would be obvious that this, everything from who owns the media to who's poisoning the food to who's rigging the economic system, who's you know falsifying the gold price, the silver price, you're going to come with the same group. And unfortunately, yeah, from an ethnic point of view, they are Jewish, but that doesn't implicate all Jews across the world. Right. I guess uh, maybe I'll ask you, Jason, if you have some insight on this. I mean, to me, Dr. Jones is sitting on a gold mine of wisdom, the work he's done in his oh, mind. Oh, absolutely. His, the, I, I think his, I need to interview him for my documentary on mind control. I, think, I could just tell right away this man knows. I, the question I is really to both of you. What would it take for the bigger platforms? I mean, I think Tucker Carlson is now following truth where it leads, even though it's inconvenient sometimes. Kim Everson does this sometimes. There are certain platforms they're doing it, but what would it take to get these larger platforms to hear your perspective and, and digest what you're saying? I don't know if the bigger platforms will allow it. Sometimes there's some sword fighting. It looks there's some sword fighting for entertainment reasons on these platforms. Someone like Tucker Carlson, he'll never really come out and lay out the real issues on the table, which is we don't need government. So Tucker is very good at you know, talking against one political party or, or the other, or maybe tacitly endorsing one wing of the bird or the other. But these platforms, say like Russell Brand, he's never going to endorse, or Joe Rogan, he's never going to endorse the fact that we do not need clinical psychopaths stealing our money, poisoning us and telling us what to do every day. And those platforms are there to 
some of the mind control involved in ruling the masses is allowing them to vent off their frustration, but allowing them to vent it off in a particular area that benefits the system. So right versus left, it'll always benefit the right. system. The, the people have to get the message that they would be better off with 100% of their income and that the market should be a free market. What we have right now is an anti-free market. It's not free whatsoever. It's completely controlled and none of the resources are going where they're supposed to go. So we're going to end up with that uh, cultural Marxist ending, which is basically, if you look, look at it, especially from a religious point of view, is that the left is leading a charge of basically legalizing uh, sacrifice satanism and evil this is what it's coming down to if you're going to follow it to the nth degree is what the left is representing here is what historically scriptures have, be, have called over millennia evil this is this is the word i was hoping we'd get to because a lot of people don't use it even we, there's a lot of talk that we're in a state of spiritual warfare and like even David Martin's presentation, no one's actually saying this is satanic. I mean, what Correct. you're trying to do to babies is satanic right now. Can we take, take a step back here? This is precisely what I'm trying to do here. I am trying to reframe this narrative in the, the conflict that I've been having with the ADL uh, away yep. from the racial narrative back to the religious narrative. This is, yep. uh, I got involved in the battle over uh, in St. Louis when everybody was tearing down statues, it's Black Lives Matter, it's real big. And this guy shows up at the statue of St. Louis, and he says, basically, these are white supremacists who want to preserve this statue. Uh, well, that was identity theft. Because I said to him, I had a debate, I said, look, you said they're white supremacists. Why are they praying the rosary then? Is that something that white supremacists do? No, they're Catholics. And I'm saying if we reduce this to a Catholic Jewish battle, uh, they, the sides are even, much more even than if it's a, 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 a civil rights organization against white supremacists, against hate speech, which is exactly how Rolling Stone uh, portrayed the battle between Elon Musk and the ADL. That's wrong. We have to have right. the proper categories. Once we establish these categories, then the First Amendment kicks in. And uh, I think that that's where we're going to have to go. At a certain point, government is going to have to nationalize the Internet. Now, what do I mean by that? What I mean is that the, the Internet, the only rules that apply on the Internet are the laws of the United States of America. So if it's not illegal, then it's allowed. That's it. So we're not going to allow you yes. to call uh, call fire in a crowded theater. There's a whole body of law that establishes what is legal speech and what is not legal speech. This would also solve the pornography problem, which is one of the main problems on uh, the Internet. Uh, obscenity yes. was never considered free speech until the Jews got involved in that battle. And they fought that battle. You can just you know, the, the, the history yep. is clear. That history of, uh, of basically bringing obscenity into the marketplace was a Jewish project from the beginning. And the crucial moment, as far as the Catholic Church went, was 1965 
when basically the, the production code was still in place, it had been placed since 1933, when the Catholics basically forced the production code on Hollywood. In 1965, because of the Second Vatican Council, because of Nostra Aetate, the Catholics lost their nerve with a film called The Pawnbroker, which was again a Holocaust film where they used the Holocaust to bring bare tits onto the big screen and the Catholics just rolled over and played dead. This mm -hmm. was the beginning. So we, what I'm saying is we have to get back to the rule of law. The rule of law is okay. the only thing we have as and, Americans. And I, 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 I agree with you that this could, get, this could go a long way in, with the court battle Elon Musk is undertaking. But I guess just on the Joe Rogan example, what would it take for an audience like his to demand that he's not censoring his guests, that he that he's following truth where it leads, um, because he is he's sort of naturally there's certain people he doesn't have on there because they might be too controversial, even though he's been quite courageous. I mean, he's had Bobby Kennedy on there for a three and a half hour right, conversation right. about everything. Well, I think this will take care of itself. Look, we, we, we got Tucker Carlson and Colonel McGregor. Great guy, you know. Uh, I grew up in Philadelphia, near where he grew up, okay? And he's talking about the war, but then when he gets wants to show you the big picture, he says, well, the, the, the neoconservatives are responsible for this war. And the neoconservatives came from Russia. Well, wh wait a minute, what are you talking about? There are no conservatives whatsoever involved in this war, period. Anthony Blinken is not a conservative, a neoconservative, or anything else. Neoconservative had meaning at the time of George Bush when Paul Wolfowitz was running the operation. It doesn't have any meaning now. It's a euphemism for Jew. This is when you're you're talking about the the ancestors of of the Kagan family who have this ancestral animus against the Czar of Russia. That's what we need to talk about. This is a category of reality, and you have to stop avoiding this category of reality. Now, if the people can have a choice between people who actually talk about reality and people who talk in euphemisms, I think they're going to choose the people that are talking with using categories of reality. And that will basically open the discussion. And if Joe Rogan wants to continue avoiding the issue, fine. Looks into someone else. If Tucker Carlson wants to continue to use the word neocon instead of the real term, which is Jew, that's fine. But the, the, the conversation should not be impeded uh, and it should be allowed to deal with reality. It should be protected speech under the Constitution, under the First Amendment. I think the what I mean, I think what we're seeing is this long drawn out plan to basically use this format that uh, Dr. Jones is talking about to destroy the free society. I mean, this is what's going on. You have up here in Canada and you've had throughout history, the same sort of application of say narcotics to take like a subsection of how this attack usually goes down. This group that we're dealing with love to use narcotics. They love to use psychoactive drugs. They like to use alcohol. <laughs> And I'm sure, Dr. Jones, have you seen the use of these modalities throughout history to sort of cut down the underpinnings of a moral and ethical society? Is that what you've seen? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Opium was a, a British project with the Chinese to subjugate the entire Chinese people. 
Well, even more recently, in terms of Canada, we have this man called Harley Pasternak, a Canadian, as far as I know. And it turns out that uh, he was a, a trainer for Kanye West, who, and he was threatening him with psychotropic drugs, powerful psychotropic drugs that are not on the market that he got from Canadian intelligence, evidently, and was using on people like this. This is exactly what we're talking about. As soon as that became public, Kanye West blew up his own narrative, blew up his own narrative by saying Heil Hitler or something on some type of show. Really stupid. The guy was really stupid. He should have stuck mm -hmm. to the Harley Pasternak narrative because that's going to lead somewhere exactly to what you just mentioned. Yeah, so even in Canada, we see this application, but it's very rapid in Canada where they legalize the marijuana coast to coast. And if you do uh, look into the effects of smoking marijuana, it has these brain structure changes that help facilitate greater forms of mind control. Not in everybody. Not everybody that smokes marijuana is going to be more easily placed under mind control, but it's not about getting everybody. It's about increasing the percentile uptake of the mind control. And now in British Columbia, uh, BC, uh, Canada, you have the legalization of cocaine. People might not believe this, but there's cocaine, fentanyl, and heroin now for sale on food trucks. And then legally, you can go buy a day's supply. The government is framing it as safe supply. Uh, everything, that's one of the trigger words. We we're talking about trigger words already. Safe is a natural, it's a word that resonates in the human nervous system as something that the human wants. It always wants to be safe. All the human metabolic functions are designed to make us safer. So this is why they call it the safe supply or the safe injection house. Or They're always in, in this kind of thing, going back to what Dr. Jones was talking about, this yeah, in China, and it's the same group. If you go back to who's behind the UK Royals, and this is their modality, this is one of their methods of operation. They take over countries and areas by the use of psychoactive drugs, and that's what they did in China. And they've never let go of, like once they invaded China, once they took over China, what, what they, there was no opium more. It was just the UK Royals doing their usual invasion tactics that they got from another group and they were just throwing the opium onto the docks the chinese docks and then quickly turning the ship around and getting out of there weakening the society under you know sign away at the underpinnings of that culture to the point where they're more easy to take over and that's i do agree with dr jones and the fact that we got to get back to morality religious morality religious-based ethics, keeping our own noses clean, weeding our own garden, and understanding that we have a moral responsibility and a moral obligation to be clean vessels, to be, you know, to be sort of conduits of, of good instead of being conduits of evil. Yeah, I'd just like to add that the, the man who was responsible, I think, for this whole new era, uh, came from that uh, English family. I'm talking about Aldous Huxley. To his grandfather was the man who made Darwin, who turned Darwin into a national institution. Huxley wrote a book, a very prophetic book called Brave New World. It came out in 1933, in which he proposed a society 
uh, of, uh, that would be docile but functional. So the question, and, it, and the drug that was supposed to do this was called Soma. He called it Soma from Hindu mythology, but it, it, he didn't specify it because at that point, nobody knew what it was. And so what you had over the post-World War II period is experiments with various kinds of drugs uh, that are going to keep the population docile but functional. And I think that the, so it was, uh, you know, barbiturates. Uh, it was, the, the best example, I think, was Prozac. Uh, they used LSD to wreck the war movement. But I think they have to finally settle on marijuana. I think it's the best, the best drug. It's a natural drug. And it's the one that basically uh, fulfills that, uh, that goal. I, it just happened in Michigan. Michigan has now legalized marijuana. It's had a devastating effect on the working class in Michigan. And he, Huxley was very aware of Michigan in Brave New World because he talks a lot, a lot about Henry Ford. He was fascinated by the fact that Henry Ford had created these factories, had mobilized labor. But there was a labor movement and he didn't like that. So the idea would be to add marijuana to the labor movement and you create this docile class of people that simply do what they're told and pull the lever on the job and then go home and watch television or the Internet. I've it's been, kind of you. you oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead, Jason. Well, I've been researching the Soma effect too, trying to identify the Soma. And I've written about 10 articles on it and I've identified the Soma as coffee because of the way it changes the brain structure. And again, not everybody who drinks coffee or ingests caffeine will be uh, prone to mind control or more prone to mind control, but it does upregulate mind control because it shuts down the prefrontal cortex and it activates the fight or flight system. And in the fight or flight system, it's a reaction emotion-based system, uh, low IQ and has no ability to judge the long-term consequences of your actions. And if you want a drug that actually increases uh, mind control potential, but also increases the speed of the worker bees to produce honey, you'll come with caffeine. If everybody was on THC, smoking marijuana or ingesting THC gummies or something, you would have a slowing down of the honey production inside the human hive. I see, and then if we want to look at caffeine, it was Bill Gates Sr. and Bill Gates Jr. who bought Starbucks in 1987 with Howard Schultz. And they had six stores at the time. And now there's 35, 34, 35,000 stores. I think the connection there would be easy to make. And anybody want, wants to know how detrimental caffeine is for the mind or the, uh, or the body, they can read Stephen Chernisky's book, Caffeine Blues, so that they can understand the truth about coffee Stephen Chernisky, the author there, had went in and researched every study. And he did. He said, I use the word every because it was every published study in the world. He said, I ran down every study in the world that said caffeine had a benefit. And he found that it was all funded by something called the coffee lobby and it was all fraudulent. So what we're wow. seeing here is the, I believe, Soma is, is caffeine. And that's why you see a huge explosion. There's 2000 medications now with caffeine inside them. We have caffeine, it used to be the dark soda pops. Now we even have it in the light soda pops. We have the explosion of energy drinks, the explosion of pre-workout, the explosion of chocolate, 
all caffeine derivatives. And if you want to take over society in the way that this ancient group is famous for, the more caffeinated the population, the easier the takeover with the usual tactics of mind control. If the usual tactics are applied to a non-caffeinated population, you'd probably get 30% compliance. But if you caffeinate them and poison them on many other levels, you're probably going to double that compliance or even increase it by 120, 130%. Well, the one, the point you made well with the Reiner Fulmick interview was violence on TV as well. You've got Netflix it's essentially traumatizing people to the point that they, they're much easier to control. Oh, absolutely. See, I can't remember. You had, you had the numbers, certain number of murders they see by the time they're like 25 or something it like that. It was 16,000 murders by the time someone is 18 years old in the United States. And if you go to that Kathy O'Brien documentary, Kathy was a very vocal and outspoken member of the MK Ultra system inside the United States. Oddly enough, she did mention Michigan. There's an island in and around Michigan that was highly frequented by Kathy and some of her handlers, including Pierre Elliott Trudeau, according to her. But yes, what you see in Kathy's documentary, the most important thing, it's called Trance, the Kathy O'Brien story. It was made by David Icke's Iconic Studios. But the most important aspect of that documentary is to see that what they were doing to traumatize Kathy as an individual, would put, which put her under control, they're now doing to the society at large. So they used to mask Kathy to slow her uh, oxygen flow to her brain. A, a damaged brain is more compliant. Now they're trying to mask the population. They did. Kathy O'Brien will testify openly and her husband, which has passed away right now, unfortunately, or her partner, um, Bill Phillips, I think his name was, or I'm I'm not too sure if I got that name right, but they would murder people in front of Kathy as part of MKUltra, which would traumatize her, and they would do that as an individual. But now they're trying to execute what they found out is you do not need to murder someone in front of an individual, you can have the murders all on Netflix and you have the same neurological application. Um, and basically you're going to put that person into sort of, sort of trauma and compartmentalization of the psyche. And you can see whatever Kathy talks about inside her documentary that they are now applying to the world at large. And again, Kathy even said, they would feed me a low fat vegan diet to give her the brain damage, which makes her easier to control. And look what they're trying to do to the society at large, low fat vegan diets. And this is the uh, pattern recognition that sort not that I'm famous for that, but what I write about is I can see everything they did to Kathy in the MK ultra research that they are now applying blanket wide across the entire society to get us into the MK ultra victim uh, trauma mindset. I'd say it's working. Uh, Dr. Jones, can I just, (laughs) uh, you made a really great point on a podcast you released yesterday um, about how dope is being used 
to help people deal with these cognitive dissonance that they they live. You use the example of labor in Michigan, but can you comment a little bit about, I mean, how that's essentially keeping people from confronting the issue, essentially? Yeah, uh, I did an article on, on Michigan. Uh, the article was, I tried to contextualize what I'm saying here by an actual case. And the case was a guy uh, who, who uh, father came up from uh, East Tennessee, particular culture down there, moved to Elkhart, Indiana, uh, to work in the RV industry. So you're talking about the, the industrialization of basically an agricultural population that began with World War II and a lot of those people coming up from Kentucky and working in Detroit. Elkhart's low wage, though. It's RV is not high wage and it's low wage. And at this point, uh, this guy... Uh, Decide, he uh, he gets involved with uh, basically MK Ultra. It was the hippie movement, but it was drugs, the promotion of drugs, the use of rock and roll to promote uh, drugs, and he eventually uh, moved up to moved from Elkhart to Michigan to near Vandalia, Michigan, bought a farm, and he got on the Deadhead circuit. Well, the Grateful Dead were there to promote the consumption of LSD. There's a connection between uh, MK Ultra and, and those group of that group of people, and so he then attracted a lot of people from the same milieu. In other words, the working class from Elkhart. The working class from Elkhart is like second class working class, and they were all diverted from their own self interest, which is to say higher wages by drugs and sexual liberation. And that was basically what uh, the farm was supposed to be. It was called Rainbow Farm. And then in 1919, uh, around 20, to around the turn of the century, 2000, uh, there was a crisis. This man was a homosexual. Uh, he was promoting drug use. Uh, and then he met up with uh, the other Western Michigan crowd, which is the militia. And so now you got drugs and guns together and this is a dangerous combination and he starts marching around his property because he feels he has the right uh, second amendment right to defend himself uh it's his own property uh and he's attracted basically nationwide attention because it's a standoff the local prosecutor is going after him at this point uh the TV station in South Bend, Indiana, sends its helicopter there. The helicopter flies over. He picks up his gun and shoots at the helicopter. That's a federal crime. At that point, the FBI gets involved. The local law enforcement are telling the FBI people, no, just calm down. We're going to, it's a siege. We're going to wait it out. We'll have a peaceful resolution. So that's not what the FBI is there for. They go onto his property and they camouflage uniforms. Uh, they go up and they kill the guy. They shoot him. And they said, of course, he lowered his gun against us and he was going to shoot us. Well, we'll never know because dead men tell no tales. I'm saying this this is how this played out in Michigan. All of this, this combination, if you want to call it the Grateful Dead complex, uh, where basically you're all of your natural instincts, let's say, to get married have a family to channel sexuality into productive i see i.e reproductive channels uh to the point where you have children and then you need more money 
to uh, so support the children, which means you're going to have to go to the boss and ask for a raise. And if the boss doesn't do this, then you're going to have to organize and you'll create a union and suddenly you have a powerful workers movement and you've got the support of the Catholic Church and all these, you know, this type of thing. That is all thwarted. That's all derailed by this construct that you would call, I'm going to call uh, the Grateful Dead complex. And that has been imposed on the state of Michigan. Now, I know who did it. I talked to the guy who did it. He was basically uh, a guy from Detroit uh, who uh, was raised Catholic and then went to a Jesuit college and he learned two things at Jesuit college, smoking dope and libertarianism. And those two things go together. That's what came together in Michigan. Uh, basically, Peter Thiel put up the money. He was the vehicle that channeled the money into Dana Nessel's campaign, the Jewish lesbian who is now the uh, attorney general in Michigan. And that's how marijuana got legalized. Now you have a completely anti-worker, anti-family, anti-Michigan group of people in control of the state, largely through uh, the 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 the, uh, the instrumentalities that I just described. Yeah, and I mean it's it you can describe it as anti-family and anti-reproduction, but when you come to it, it, come down to it. I mean it's God's sort of design to reproduce. So any it looks like it's against the family, but I believe wholeheartedly what we're seeing today is the in, intelligent innate design of the body, which uh, is designed by the creator or God or whatever you would like to call it. And that design is being attacked either through drugs or through propaganda that glorifies uh, breaking up the family or, or no need for men or men are buffoons. And so all I see is, I like, for me, I like to talk in, patterns or, or general terms. So today we're all under attack and you can see that every facet of the attack is anti-life, anti-children, anti-reproduction, anti-love, anti-connection, um, anti-family, anti-taking care of our elders, anti-respect, anti-morality, anti-ethics, and there's only one force throughout history that has all those descriptors and it's pure and utter evil. And if we don't, and evil spares nobody. So anybody getting paid to execute this evil upon humanity, thinking that they're gonna be living with Oprah and The Rock on Maui and, and the new Lahaina development, they're sadly mistaken because evil will lay waste to this entire area and make it look like uh, what they what they say is mars so we all have to be very careful it doesn't matter where a person sits on this spectrum their life is in jeopardy absolutely uh so we'll we'll move towards a wrap up five minutes if that's okay we've started a little bit late some technical difficulties but um if i could move a question towards dr jones or to both of you really but um, can you imagine, I mean, what we're seeing to me is an obvious result of no moral compass. The, the, the world has gotten away from the idea that there is a moral compass. Can you imagine, let's say USA, can you imagine the next president 
proposing that he has a council that's associated with the moral compass, bishops or cardinals or uh, other churches that are helping him guide his policies and decision-making using a moral authority. Can you imagine us getting there? Go ahead, Dr. Jones. Dr. Jones? Whoever it is, whoever it is going to have to do that. They are going to have to assert what you just said, that the moral order uh, is the basis of the American experiment. Uh, John Adams said we have no constitution that functions without uh, uh, outside the moral order, without a moral order. That is the basis of the American experiment. If you can't rule yourself, then you can't have a democracy. If you can't control your own passions, then how are you going to have a government that can control uh, the people? And so what we're seeing is the systematic promotion of anarchy as a way of destroying uh, that, that social order because these people are going to profit from the, the chaos. Uh, that it's going to have to come back to some type of moral order. We just had a, an incident in South Bend, Indiana, where the library has been taken over by uh, not just homosexuals, but homosexuals who now the drag queen story hour crowd who feel they have a right uh, to corrupt the morals of other people's children. That debate cannot take place on the terms that they are stating it. We have to get back to some type of understanding of the moral framework and the fact that the government here can only function properly if it is based on moral principles, traditional moral principles of the sort that have been established by the, the Christianity, by the Catholic Church, by these institutions throughout history. I, th I think we'll have to, I mean, if we have gotten this far and we think that the government are, is going to solve this problem, I think we're sadly mistaken. I think maybe the government could announce that it's the responsibility of each and every citizen to clean, you know, to clean their own nose and rid themselves of the evil vein of electricity ripping through our society. I think the government could explain the dangers of alcohol, the dangers of marijuana, the dangers of coffee, the dangers of Netflix, the dangers of the movie screens. But I think it's up to each individual to know this is a real grassroots movement. And if fighting this force will seem insurmountable, if someone's at home now and they're thinking about making a stand, they're like, this group is too big, it's too powerful. And they're right, but this group maintains their power by destroying our power. And if and they trick us to so we volunteer to do it. We medicate ourselves. We inject poison under our own skin. We waste our lives on the TV. We spend our own hard-earned money on alcohol poison, caffeine poison. We give our kids cancer-causing cell phones and think we're the best parent on the block. It's up to every single person to start taking their power back, poisoning themselves less, leading moral, ethical lifestyles so that the children and the other people in the community have something positive to mimic instead of trying to mimic the trash fire displays of character that are purposely put on our screens for us to view on a daily basis. I hope that makes some sense. Thanks. Um, we can we can wrap up. I just uh, my last comment is um, I've only been back in the States for maybe two years. But if I say something like America is a Christian nation, people will argue with me. 
I'll say, well, every dollar bill has in God we trust. Every court room, every wedding, every oath of office is a swear to the Bible. How, how, how is that even an argument? Your your nation is Christian. I hate to break it to you. <laughs> so I, I I don't know how, and but they've got such um, uh, an attack on what they call the Christian right that that's an, that's another mind control. They think, oh, he's white and he's Christian. He must be have some kind of hidden dark agenda okay well we can just do i we will wrap up and if you don't mind just both of you just tell where people can meet you where uh follow you where people can find your work and uh and we'll close up for today go ahead dr, uh, dr. Yeah, Jones. yeah uh, you can go to culturewars.com uh i have a magazine every month comes out called culture wars and you can get that issue about dope in michigan uh, by going on that website you can also go to fidelitypress.org and uh, the holocaust narrative uh, will be available tomorrow the the link will be there tomorrow you can look at my podcast i'll be discussing it in my podcast at five o'clock tomorrow afternoon but fidelitypress.org is where you'll find the book the holocaust narrative that's very exciting. Just, just, just so the audience knows that the, the top trending tweet, I think it was one Friday ago, a week ago Friday, was this ADL battle with Elon Musk. It was a basically ban the ADL. And just the timing is unbelievable. Dr. Jones, who's an expert in narrative, he's a literature professor, uh, his book is, is available on the Holocaust narrative right now, which is quite, quite impeccable timing. So that's that's fantastic news. Thank you, Dr. Jones. You're welcome, uh, Jason. If anybody wants to get a hold of me, I would suggest um, just emailing me personally at info at jchristoff.com. The single letter J, Christoff is Christ with an O F F on the on the end. Info at jchristoff.com. I'll just put you on my email list. I give up free information on mind control, the patterns. So the patterns that are occurring in our society today so that people have the knowledge in order to sidestep them in order to if you know how the magician does his magic tricks the magic show fails to impress and fails to put you under the spell so it's very important everybody come up to speed on how they be manipulated to poison themselves and dull their own shine and lead mediocre existences it's very important so that they can rise up to their best selves, recapture their morality, recapture their ethics. This is the only way out of this. We have to put down all the ruling group's poisons and get back to what's important, which is basically living on this planet and prospering. Do you want to share about your trip to Romania next month? Yeah, in November with the International COVID Summit is being invited again into the Romanian parliament by the Romanian parliament members to give an, a new uh, advanced talk on all the shenanigans that have gone on from 2020 to 2023. Everybody's becoming very interested in learning how they were bamboozled, how they were pressured, how they were bullied, why they couldn't resist. And it's really no one's fault. It's just the way we've been programmed. We were pre-programmed before they really attacked us to sort of be weak and frail, go along to get along, people pleasers. And it's time to step into our ad true adult power to face down basically the biggest threat to humanity in recorded history. 
Fantastic. Thank you very much, gentlemen. I'm looking forward to Dr. Jones' cozy call tomorrow. That'll be exciting. Thank, Thank you. you both. Thank you. Thanks for your time. Thank you. Take care. Push yourself to